the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it, we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. Well, looking at the altar this morning, all decorated for the Avatamsaka festival, which we just celebrated, I thought, light! Today I'll talk about light. I was going to talk about something completely different, but that light just blew it out of the water and we're going to talk about light. <laughs> yes. The mantra of light, which we sang on the way in, is lovely. You know, it's, it's, it's not an accident that the mantra of light is what we sing on the day we celebrate the Avatamsaka. Best of all. Well, light only means something in relation to darkness. If we didn't have darkness, we wouldn't know what light was. It would just be the way things are, you know. But as we know, we have both light and darkness, day and night, winter and summer, and so on. And light's associated usually with what's pleasant, warmth, clarity, brightness of heart and mind. We can see where we're going. Enlightenment. And darkness, on the other hand, is associated with cold, ignorance, not knowing where we're going or where, where we are, despondency, despair, and so forth. But it's not that simple. Darkness can be comforting. We sleep better in the dark, generally. We're wired for that. There's a softness to darkness, a kind of embracing of everything. The stars shine out of darkness. We can't see them when the sky is light. It's not all one way or all the other. The light and the dark, we need both in this world. It's not the case that the light is good and darkness is bad. We need both. And in this human world, that we have both light and dark is a great blessing because it inspires us in our training. It gets us to do something. In the heavenly realm, the devas, it is said, envy the humans because the devas have this light and joy and darkness and brightness and happiness all the time, and it gets really boring. And they say, our life just goes on and on and on. You're so lucky you have this short life, you have you know, light and dark and this kind of thing. We long to be born as humans. And then humans sort of think, oh, how wonderful it would be to be up in the deva realm. We have light all the time and no darkness. But I think we get tired of it. We get tired of, you know cake and mangoes, we get, we'd want some, we'd want a little bit sour and bitter and so forth. As we say, you know, light goes with darkness as the sequence does of steps in walking in the Sandaka. You need both, just like steps in walking, you can't just walk with one foot. And it's like that in life, you know, we go in and out, sometimes it's bright, sometimes it's dark. Sometimes when things are really hard, something joyful comes our way. When we're all worried about something, a solution may just appear out of the blue. Oh, we can do that. Or the thing just goes away somehow, you know. When our training seems to be going hard, badly, poorly, my training is terrible, my meditation is awful, I'm more despondent, and then we might have a little moment of insight and even joy. And we see that actually we're doing fine. We're doing our best. It's all we need to do. Everything is all right. It's just our self-judgment that has made it seem so dark. Sometimes life can be like standing out in a golden field. I like this analogy. You're standing out in a golden field in the sun. 
and there are black clouds off in the distance looking really dark. You know? And then when they come in, it's actually they're just gray clouds. It's not as bad as it looked. It's because of the light of the, the contrast that that blackness seems so black. And we say, oh, and then it comes in, it's just rain, it's just a thunderstorm or just normal stuff. And there's still the sun shining behind the clouds because they're gray, they're not black. There's still sunlight there somewhere. It's, you know, like life. We're dreading something that might happen. Oh, it's going to be just awful, you know. And then it does happen. And it's not as bad as we thought. Or if it is as bad, we just deal with it. Even sometimes it's worse. We still just deal with it, you know. We don't just lie down and die, it doesn't help. We just get on with stuff. And there can be relief in knowing that here's the worst, okay, it's happened, here we are, now what do we do? Like going on a journey. You know, often the hardest part is before you set forth, you're all worried about it. What are we going to do? What's it going to be like? It's going to be really hard, I don't want to do this. Then you're on the train or the bus or the car or whatever it is. Oh, okay, here we go, just do it. Just like that. We need both light and darkness. When things are dark and hard, well, we need to strengthen our faith. Our roots grow in the dark, as we say. We wouldn't do very well if everything had to be nice all the time. We'd kind of just wither and die in the sunlight, you know. We need, we need hard times sometimes because they impel us to do something about ourselves, to do something about our situation. Why is it so difficult? How did I get myself into this? Or what can I do to help, you know, whatever it might be? When things are hard, we tend to train harder, you know, we meditate more deeply, we're more inspired to train ourselves. Then things get a bit better, we might slacken off just a little bit. That does seem to happen. But it's best if we can train and meditate no matter what, whether it's light or dark or normal or ordinary or boring or wonderful, that we just keep on doing our practice day after day. Just like that, you know. In darkness and in light, no matter what's going on, equanimity to just do our best to remain still. Everything changes, you know, comes and goes. Moments of brightness come, moments of darkness come, the rain comes, then the sun comes out, and then the sun goes away, and, you know. Well, we just had a whole ceremony to celebrate the Avatamsaka scripture. It's the only scripture we actually have a whole ceremony for. I think it's the longest scripture in Buddhism. It's really long, made up of many, many chapters, probably written over a long time by a great many people and kind of brought together. It covers a huge range of beings, situations, Buddha lands, where it has the first 50 pages that are about who's there, you know. It's just enormous in its scope and its depth and its wonderful teaching. Millions of Buddhas, millions of Buddha lands, huge numbers of, of beings, far more than you could possibly actually manage, but it's just kind of opens up your mind to this enormity of the Dharma and the enormity of our universe. There are billions of worlds. There are billions of stars and you know, planets and all those kinds of things. It's un unthinkable how much, how big it all is, actually. So the Avatamsasa scripture is actually not, not off the point at all. And the scripture is full of images of light, Buddhas emanating rays of brilliant, dazzling light that permeate the whole universe, you know. Halls filled with light and beings radiating light. 
banners and umbrellas and things and lotuses and all kinds of things, all radiating light everywhere. It's really lots and lots of light in it. And in Thomas Cleary's translation, which is, the, I think, the most widely used English scripture, the you know, English version that we, we know, he, he calls, well, he translates bodhisattvas as enlightening beings, bringing light. Well, I'm not mad about this translation, frankly, but it does make the point that bodhisattvas bring light. They help beings to find light, to see with light, to find their way through the darkness, bringing light. The light of wisdom, the light of enlightenment. When we have light, we can see where we are, and we can see where we're going. If we're stumbling about in the dark, we don't do so well. So there is a <laughs> light is a very positive thing in religious practice, in the Dharma, in this wonderful huge scripture. And in our own life, we might not feel very enlightened. But as we continue to train, our mind becomes lighter, our heart becomes lighter, brighter. We might go through periods of darkness and despair, but they're not as bad as they would be if we weren't doing the practice. It really helps. And we can look back and see there's been a gradual change. Reverend Mataji used to call it turning up the dimmer switch in our practice. It just, things brighten. And sometimes people have a, you know, flash of realization. And they still have to do the practice. But always images of training have... Light, they shouldn't have light as the basis. Brightness, enlightenment, you know, flashes of insight. I like the dimmer switch, though. I think I'm more of a dimmer switch person. I think many of us are. So, the Avatamsaka scripture. Well, it's not just a description of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and other beings and all these beautiful Buddha lands full of light. There's a lot more to it than that. It has lots of practical advice for us, full of wonderful practical down-to-earth wisdom. How to follow the Bodhisattva path, how to meditate and keep to the precepts, how to practice meditation in stillness in all conditions. And when you just open it, you know, I haven't read the whole thing, it's huge, but I, you know, I've done talks on it in the past, and if you just open it anywhere, you'll see right there this practical teaching for us, if you look, no matter where you look. It might look daunting at first glance, so these wonderful Buddhas and Bodhisattvas doing this practice that we can't even imagine being able to do, you know, far beyond our ability. But really it's not actually that way. If it was all about things we couldn't do for ourselves, it wouldn't help us very much. It's written for us. It's written for normal human beings. It's not written for Bodhisattvas. They know what to do. It's written for us. And if you look, there's always something that we can practice for ourselves, something down to earth that we can put into practice and brighten our lives and brighten our hearts and minds by doing that. It's our, it's our simple practice of meditation and keeping to the precepts that helps us to foster that light of wisdom and compassion within ourselves and within our world, helping brightness and light to appear in our world, in our own little way, our own little candle in the dark. Cultivating kindness and generosity towards other beings. It brings joy to us and it brings joy to them. It brings light and warmth to the heart, our heart and to their heart. 
And even when we're philosophers in the dark and cold and in a dismal place, we can still practice kindness. We can still lighten that darkness a little bit for ourselves and for others just by looking outside our little cold, seemingly little cold realm of darkness and letting the light in, as it were, and making an offering to somebody else, thinking of other beings, doing something for somebody else. It warms our heart and it brightens our day. We all know what it's like when we've given something to somebody and they like it. I mean, we feel so happy. Or somebody gives us a kind word when we feel kind of despondent. And it just cheers us right up. You know, just somebody out of the blue says something kind. Maybe somebody we don't even know. It's, you know. We don't have to think, I have nothing to offer. It's just kind of self-concern, really, or self-judgment. You know, I don't have anything to offer to other people. We all have something to offer. We can all practice kindness, no matter who we are, where we are, what a situation, how miserable we may feel, we can practice kindness. And by practicing kindness to other beings, but also practicing kindness to ourselves. It brings forth to our own heart, lightens our own day when we do something kind for someone. Well, here we are, getting towards the winter solstice, the time of darkness, you know, longer nights and shorter days. I love it, actually, I love it. <laughs> and in many religions, there's a celebration of light at this time of year, to brighten people up and cheer them on their way, encourage us when it's darkest and coldest. Decorative lights, good food, people give gifts. You know, it's all heartwarming, brightening, lightening for beings for us. Because here we are, just little human beings, you know, with our little naked bodies we have to cover up with stuff. It's awful, it can feel very vulnerable when it's cold. Because here we are, we're just, you know, trying to stay warm, actually. And um, having something to brighten us, to warm us, to be together. It's kind of warm, we warm each other in a sense. It brightens our own heart and we help to brighten other people. We are very robust. Whether we're alone or with other beings, we can always offer kindness. You always offer something. And um, in a few days, the nights will become a little shorter and the days will become a little longer, you know, when we're past the solstice. It's officially the start of winter, but actually it's the turning towards the light as well. It's not just one way. We need both light and darkness. We want both light and darkness, not just light, not just dark. Not to cling on to the light, to love the light and to hate the dark. You know, Everything changes all the time. We have these little moments of joy, it will pass, and so will the darkness. As we said, we don't want to be devas living in light all the time, it will be dismal, well actually, boring I would say, boring probably, maybe not dismal. But not to cling on to darkness either, not to sort of think, well my life is so hard, I'm miserable, I'm a wretched person, Ugh. you know. That's just clinging in another way. Everything passes. The moments of joy will pass, the moments of darkness will pass if they give them half a chance. It all goes back and forth just like the weather. And to practice equanimity and stillness in the midst of all conditions, to remember when things are really nice, this is lovely. Don't cling on to it. It will pass, and that's just fine. When it's dark, this is hard. Don't worry. It will pass. It'll be fine. Just keep on going in light and in darkness, because we need both, you know, both the light and the dark. As we need to walk, we need light and darkness to keep us moving, to propel us forward, 
the world of suffering and joy is our world. And that is what gets us to do the practice because if it was all lovely and warm and fuzzy all the time, it would be, it wouldn't have the same impulse to do something about ourselves. And if it was dark and miserable all the time, you'd just be, you know, like this. You'd have to, we have to have both joy and sorrow in our life. This is why we have light at this time of the year. It's not just dark. We brighten our lives and we need both. Turning the heart towards the great matter, Buddha nature, that for which we train, which embraces everything, the light, the darkness, all of it. The many conditions of our lives, all our joys and sorrows, triumphs, failures, miseries, embarrassments, difficulties, moments of happiness, moments of success, all these things. And then they're just ordinary, you know, everyday life, which is what most of it is. All these things, they're not a distraction from turning the heart towards the great matter. They don't have to be because it all takes place within that. No matter what's happening, whether we're happy, we're sad, we feel, everything feels fine, everything feels boring, everything feels normal, everything feels mm. dreadful. All these things can help propel us to turn inwards towards that great matter for which we train. It embraces everything, it embraces all of us, it's our true refuge, that upon which we can rely, no matter what happens. And not to forget that. When things are wonderful, this is fine. It takes place within something a lot deeper. When things are really hard, it's okay. There's something a lot deeper that I can turn to that will help me on my way. And it does. Just to open ourselves up to that, to that great matter for which we train. And that is what the Abhidhamsaka scripture teaches us. Turn towards that great matter. We don't have to see all the Buddha lands and all these countless billions of bodhisattvas. Maybe they're there. We don't have to worry. We just do our practice. But to keep the heart open to whatever may come our way, whether it's joy, sorrow, whether we see Buddhas or whether we just see <laughs> dog poo, um, it's all embraced within that. It's all part of that. Nothing separate, nothing unworthy, nothing left outside, including us. We are worthy. We are recluded within that. And never to lose sight of that. The Avatamsaka scripture, this huge teaching, is for us. You may not want to read the whole thing, but it's really well worth diving in and fishing out a few jewels. Because wherever you dive in, there are jewels right there. Right there, it's just a, an amazing thing. <laughs>